This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 492, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. When you were here before, <laughs> you couldn't look you in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather and I'm beautiful. I was special You're so very special But I'm a creep Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 492. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm still here. <laughs> Damn it. Does this mean you're going to be returning permanently? <laughs> I'm here with... coming back. <laughs> I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hey, Ron. Hey, Connor. And Josh Flanagan. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming, and it gets it gets me every time. Uh, we are iFanboy, and we like comics. Every week we read a stack of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week, and then we'll talk about that book, other books, some other stuff, maybe read some email. You never know what may happen. Uh, but we're going to warn you that there are spoilers. We're, this is a review show, so we're going to talk about exactly, literally, the words in the comic books that tell you what happened in them. So uh, be warned. Uh, this week, I did not have the pick. Oh. Josh had the pick. Oh, I'm glad to see there. the script era continued. You know, with just two of us, it got a little better. <laughs> uh, but but I knew there was going to be some in this because I was doing it while taking care of children. All right. It's always your uh, Yeah, always. Uh, pick of the week this week. And there was honestly there's no question about it. Uh, and this is four pages into it. Uh is Airboy number two. Uh also Airboy number one was pick of the week last time. And there was a big there was a big weenus on the second page. That's what I was getting at. Uh moving realistically is what I was gonna say. Yes. Uh, something that effect. A penis. I know that that was slapping thigh to thigh as he ran. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not comfortably. No. He's well. He's all. I don't believe that he's fully. Anyway, <laughs> he's in a mid. He's got more heft, is what I'm getting at. So that's going to make that worse. We said a lot of things about this this book last time, and all of those things are still true. Um, I just felt like that last issue. It wasn't really a story there. It was just sort of look at look at this. And this second one, we're sort of getting an idea of of where the story is and what it's going. And it, you know, if anything, it was more raw and more. Bold, well, I you suppose. Have the amplifier of, of now you've got Airboy in the world, right? So now yeah. things are really crazy, and and I think that so here's here's the thing about it is I think that what that character do, tends to do is ramp up the I don't know if shame is the right word. I think shame is close to the. I, right I, no, I think shame is you're definitely in the shame arena. Yeah, it, it, that <laughs> you're shame the, adjacent. So you've got a yeah. guy, and I'm I'm we're gonna focus on on uh, James Robinson's script to start. Mm. Um, but you've got a guy who's who's basically coming clean about a lot of stuff in a very exaggerated and extreme way in some ways and I think in others perhaps not and and so you've you've got a guy who is known for doing he's known as the the golden age guy his you know the golden age was his one of his his early breakout hits and so you know doing the greatest generation doing those kind of characters is the thing that he sort of gets typecast as doing so now you take that and you put it up against 
who he sort of is portraying portraying himself in quote unquote real life. I don't know what that was. I would really like that as you I would really like that as you approach forty you you get a really strong lisp. Yeah. I think I think it's time for a speech impediment. I think that would make me feel great. Nothing against people with speech impediments. I would just like to have you to have one. Yeah, because so you know that would mortify me. Um, <laughs> but when you take that that contrast of, of this way, <laughs> stop. I just <laughs> sorry. Oh, have I mentioned how much I've missed this? <laughs> All right, go on. I'm sorry. Go on. Let's be um, serious. No, I, I think that, that like, Airboy serves as a contrast. So, like, he's known for this kind of character. So what happens when this kind of character and this kind of aesthetic, I guess, yep. that is part of his, known as part of his work, meets up with this vision, this version of himself, this sort of hyper-stylized hyper version of, of himself. And I think that's really interesting. And I, and I, it's one thing to look at this as a... A book that is like crazy over the top. It's it's like how people describe. I guess Garth Ennis is is good. Like they, oh, it's gross out swearing. What you know, like it's not though. Well, that, and, that's and, what I think. That's what people will, would think if they don't actually understand what's going on in the book. Yeah, which is I, that I, there's a deep dive into his psyche and his insecurities. I mean, it keeps it keeps coming back to his DC work. Right? Yep. There's no point in, in having that conversation smack in the middle of the issue. I think it's the actual the middle of the issue. No, it's the page. Yeah, and it was very specific. Unless that's really the kind of the whole point of this exercise is his insecurity about the quality of his writing and and that's which is, which and, is, and, and I mean, the quality of himself too. But that's really this is an examination of his psyche. Yeah, and 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 this is a his fears. Yeah, and and if you know you don't have to know James, but if you've followed him on you know social media or whatever, he's been he's fairly straightforward about what he feels like is going on with it. So it's a lot of truth in there. I guess, and, the, I, and, the, and the thing is, there's a lot of truth, but there's also a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I, and you guys talked about it with the first issue or whatever, but there's also a lot of honesty mm-hmm. and, and... It usually goes with truth. truth. It's a, <laughs> right, no, no, but I mean, but no, but, but an honesty in the juxtaposition in that James is putting himself out there and he is not the protagonist in this. You no. know I mean, I guess he is the protagonist, but like... The, well, he's the like, protagonist, but not the good guy. Yeah, the the jokes on him in this, especially in this issue, you know, which which I find fascinating, you know. So. Yeah, he's he's. It's definitely a thing where he's not he's not. We're not supposed to be admiring him. We're not right. supposed to do as he does. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of horrible things uh, that yep. are going on, and I I just I don't know. Like I think that if you look back at the thing of J- that James Robinson did that I enjoyed the most, the thing that was the the closest to you know, and he said this at the time, you know, we we're talking about Starman. He put the most of himself in that character. And this is, to me, it's like a really brave uh, step in, in, in sort of recapturing that I'm going to put my, as much of myself into this work as possible, and it's not going to be flattering. And, yeah. and, you know, he's doing it with ribaldry <laughs> you know, and humor, um, but it's still there, and, and I, I, it sings. Like, it totally speaks to me. Um, I think I, you're gonna. You probably have read a lot about it on the internet, but there's some uh, there's some talk about the words used in this, the word tranny, this and that. And I got to that word, and I thought, well, that's gonna take away from what we're doing here. I think a little bit, which I think is sort of what happening. But I also think that I don't think that's the intention. I don't think that's where no. it's coming from. And there, I, there, there, I can, there, there's not. And, and the thing is, like, I feel you know, it's rough because we're. We're, I don't want to say priv- privileged, but I mean, but we happen to. Some would I mean, say that. I mean, we. 
I mean, <laughs> let's lay it on the table. I'll admit to that. It's fine. No, I was just, I, but I meant in that, in that, we, you know, we've interviewed James Robinson. We've interacted with James Robinson. I've hung out with James Robinson socially. I've worked with him professionally. You know, it's it's kind of thing. And I know that everyone reading this book can't have that same knowledge about James Robinson, the man. But there is not a malicious dot of ink in this book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is it, it, it if, like if you if you know him and know how he is and you know what he's trying to do with this book, you recognize it for what it is, which is it's really him shitting on himself. And it's this, you know, like and and I don't I don't believe that there's any ill ill ill, Ill and, intent. And, and further know. the the point of view of Airboy isn't yeah. that he's uh homophobic, transphobic or anything. He's from 1940. Right. That's not unusual for what would happen, I don't think. But I don't know what's going to happen with it. I kind of refuse to believe that this has lots of ignorance and ill intent involved, basically. I don't think it's coming from a bad place. I think I, don't know, I, I think that you know you make a choice what words you're going to use, and they're going to have an impact. And I think it backfired a little bit in this instance. Um, but I don't think he was dishonest, if that makes right. sense. So there's that. Okay, and then, then the other side of, of the whole thing is, and, and it, it should not even it shouldn't be ignored at all, is that Greg Hinkle, I don't know where the hell he came from, but he's the greatest thing ever. Oh, I'll tell you where he came from. He came from, uh, I, I met him outside an isotope party. Uh, he's, he's one, I mean, Greg is, he's been one of those artists that I, he, he lived here, been here in San Francisco for a few years now. Now he's down uh, closer to you, Connor. Down Actually, he's, he's, he's right behind you. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, he's he's down in he's down in the LA area. He's one of those, you know, like what's great about having a local comics community like we have here in San Francisco is that there are a lot of people who really want to be creators, and Greg's been one of those people who I've watched kind of grow. And he's done he's done work with uh, the writer Jason McNamara. They did a book called The Rattler that was on Kickstarter. It was a very successful Kickstarter. Um, he's doing here and there, and it's been the kind of thing, man. Like, man, if he can just get with someone to do something really good and actually produce something, he will be great. And it's great to see that coming true. Like, yeah. he, he, you know, like he's clearly got talent. He's clearly got chops. Throwing. So everything on these pages i mean there, yeah. there's not a corner there's 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 no wasted space yeah. i mean like everything is full and like you've got these sort of super hyper realistic cartoony versions of the of the guys who look like the guys this is that thing we always talk about when they do movie characters or whatever and we're like whether they whether they look like photos or they just look like representations of them like he's got that down but he's also got like this looks like san francisco he's nailed that like it's yeah. It's like really being there, so that's really cool. The expression on their faces when they realize they're getting a blowjob next to each other. I mean, that was my favorite panel of the week. It made me laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> yeah. he, just, he has those faces down. And uh, what's really exciting about this book is that now they've swapped places and Greg and James Robinson have entered Airboy's world of Nazi robots and, uh, and it, it, superheroes fighting the war. Yeah, so that was, and then finally, yeah, that was the last thing that I was like, oh, okay, we we've did that. Now we have to go the other way, and I just think that's a really great choice. It's it's an obvious choice after the fact, um, and well, at yeah, the and, same and time, he can I, I draw a hell of a German plane. Yeah, he, he really does. But I think, but I think it's it's built upon. I mean, what the, a lot of the gist of the issue is Airboy coming to terms with him being in today in twenty first century. And, you know, getting pulled from the 40s in a world where they're fighting Nazis for freedom. And then it's just like, oh, so the Nazis won? <laughs> and, then, and they're like, no, no, we won. He's like, well, why is it so dirty here? You know, like, just, you know, and like the idea of like if you took someone from, you know, not that I think the 40s were any cleaner, but like the idea of like. Uh, yeah. 
It was actually dirtier. Yeah, I think it actually was. Well, I don't know. San Francisco is pretty dirty, <laughs> but um, but it was interesting to see that 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 you know um, interpretation of what now is like, and from somebody like that, I thought that was really cool. And then, of course, like you said, the you know it seems obvious in an afterthought that then they go back to his time or his place, which is which is fascinating. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, it's great. Just walk great. up to you offering you pot brownies like this. Yes. I was going to say that I, I did not I did not not believe that. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I believed less was when he said San Fran. Yeah. Other yes. than that, too, which I almost I wanted to call and be like what are you talking about? I was looking at it and thinking better. about it. I think it was a lettering choice. Yeah. If you look at how the the word balloon is, there was no way to put San Francisco without making it weird. Yeah. That's Maybe. that was where I came to on that. And it was better than Frisco. Yeah, oh, that's for sure. Oh. But um, no, but I mean, the, the, I mean, controversy aside, and whatever you know, the, this book, the, this book is good and is in is unlike anything that's out there. And you know, and I, you know, when it's all said and done, I think it's going to be like one of those stories. It's like, holy shit, can you believe they did this? You know, mm-hmm. it's my it's my favorite new book right now. Well, between yeah. this and yeah. and and uh, Deadly Class, you got these. Those books shouldn't come out in the same week. It's, it's too yeah. much. Class, it's that too character much, does a lot of bad things too. But it's too much <laughs> searing introspection. Yeah. From, in San Francisco. Yeah. In San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, exactly. I need to take have a drink after reading those two books in a row. Um, By the way, if anybody out there is listening, Connor's recording from Paradise. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so. It's my 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 avian companions. Um, they they fly around my head in circles. Just try to mute when they feed you grapes, okay? So uh, this week we also ha- we had a big new release. We had we stand on guard, the new book from Brian K. Vaughn and Steve. How do you speak this? <laughs> they really liked this book. Uh, was it Steve Scrochy? Scrochy. Scrochy. And uh, Matt Hollingsworth on colors, photographics, and letters. And- I love his work on time in a bottle. <laughs> so uh, this was interesting. Um, this in this issue, so it opens in the a little bit in the future with uh, a terrorist attack on the White House and uh, a family in Canada watching watching the news on their giant TV and uh, wondering what's going to happen, wh- where the U.S. is going to attack in retaliation. And it turns out they're going to attack Canada as they drop a whole bunch of bombs on Ottawa. And uh, fin- finally, finally, someone someone takes a stand against Ottawa. And it ends up killing all the family except for Ottawa. the kids, and we jump forward again as the as the little daughter is uh, much older and now part of the resistance movement in Canada, fighting against the Americans. And uh, that's the setup for We Stand on Guard. I will tell you, I had a moment. I had a moment where I was like, "Do we always have to be the bad guys in everything?" <laughs> so I don't know if that's my my turn to the conservative side for just a moment. I was like, "Why does America always have to be the dicks?" <laughs> just, well, <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting though. Um, I don't know oh, where this is going to go. We just know from Canada's perspective. What yeah, as you say, it's too it. early. They Maybe. might deserve it, and frankly, odds are they deserve it. Sorry, um, I, I gotta say, I didn't expect this book. It doesn't seem like a Brian K. Vaughn book yet. I never expect the acquisition, Josh. I know that, uh, but I. I, I, I have no idea where this is going to go or even where it came from, you know, in that sense. Like, when Saga came out, which is completely strange, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, no, this, this, I, underst- I understand. This makes sense from the writer that I know. This is, this is really interesting. Is this a mini, Ron? Uh, yes, I believe it's a miniseries. Um, and, and in case, I don't, know if people, I don't know if people listening know who Steve Scrochy is anymore. 
Um, he used to do a lot more comics, but no, he, no, he didn't do a lot more comics. He did some comics. Oh well, he just he, he did, did comics a long time ago. But he then uh, he did a lot of the he did I think the primary production design work for the Matrix movies. Is that right? Yeah, the, That's the storyboard. Yeah, basically. So he 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 burst on the scene like in the mid nineties, and he his it was one of those things where like you know when you see an artist and it's unlike anything else that's out there. It's like a style that's totally different. And um, he had done some X Men stuff. Um, he did a Gambit redesign, if I remember correctly. That just looked awesome. And then, um, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then he jumped over and started working with Liefeld and was doing Youngblood stuff. Um, and then got snatched up by the Wachowskis yeah. and um, and has been in Movie Land ever since. So, um, so this is yeah, I don't know. I don't know when the last time he did any comics was. Yeah, just, no, yeah, me yeah. either. But I, I, it took me a little bit to remember. Oh, it's that guy. Um, and at first, I wasn't sure if I liked it. Then we got to the giant mech battle, and I was like, "Well, hell yeah, yeah." I, that's that's really it was a really cool big action sequence um, with this sort of futuristic, you know, just near future sci fi world, and uh, it's it's really interesting. I like the guy, the the Quebecois guy who who only speaks French, and we have we. I mean, like I kind of know what he's saying, but like nobody, you know, if you don't know any French, you're just on your own. Right, <laughs> which I, I love because I've got to tell it all through context or, or acting or whatever. Um, no, I thought I thought this. I, I, yeah, I thought. I mean, of course, it's 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 funny because it's like we, you know, BKV is the, one of the top writers in the industry, and and um, it was great to see Steve Scrooge come back. I was surprised by the violence in this, or not the you? violence, but just, well, not the not the violence. No, but like the why the, the last man. The no, not no, not surprised by the violence, but just like I guess the gore or just like yeah. the the representation of violence. I was like, whoa! I was like, that was you know that was it. And then at the, the end of the first issue, I'm like, I I didn't love this the way I loved the first issue of Saga, or you yeah. know, or yeah, I mean, like I mean, it was good, you know, but it wasn't like holy shit, you've got to read this, you know. And so. I think that's the part of I mean, like it didn't have whatever that Brian K. Vaughn yeah is he right? he, he yeah. has set the bar very high for himself, and this was I yeah. think this yeah. is a very solid. Good comic. If this had been any other writer, mm-hmm. we'd be very excited about about this new person. But it's him, and so he's got a high bar. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem with being so awesome all the time. Well, yeah. I'm, you know, but I'm gonna read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I want to totally. see him get what's coming to him. They drive yeah. up the prices on maple syrup. You know they do, Josh. Oh, I see what's going on. Listen, <laughs> we've had a couple of bad winners for syrup production. So <laughs> you know, when you when you can only you know it takes it takes like you know, ten thousand thousand gallons of syrup of of of, uh, of what's the sap to make a gallon of uh, syrup? So you know, syrup, 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 so, so syrup. Josh, or as my or as my two year old son used to say, e poop. That was the oh. word for syrup. So, it's adorable. So Josh, this is the last issue of Satellite. Sam, this right? is the last issue, Connor. I mean, Ron, can we confirm that this is the last issue of Satellite? Sam? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> I gotta tell you, that's a limb I don't like to go out on anymore. I go out but on it now on a whim. It's just amazing. Spider-Man 4 is the last issue. Satellite, <laughs> Satellite's M15 wraps up the first volume of this, right? They're going to do another volume is set in L.A. from what I read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'd long ago sort of lost the thread of the, the stories, and a lot of the characters looked way too similar, but I really enjoyed the, the general world and atmosphere of this. I, I felt like that too, but I actually ended up picking it up again uh, at some point. Like, I had definitely lost it. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on anymore. And then... As they sort of zeroed in on this ending, and we focused uh, going forward, I, I felt like I, I sort of got uh, where we were going again. And because there were, there were, you know, I guess I think it was 
we narrowed it down to a few storylines and tied some things together and and you know they were they were interesting they were they were really good uh end of the day with this i i think the setting was super interesting this sort of turning point in media in culture and celebrity um combined with you know the social society of 50s uh, america and then i mean we used to we used to always talk about good chicken this is fucking exemplary chicken this oh, is yeah. this is a plus premium cut choice chicken uh, straight up, the sexiest book on the on the stands. You know, like it's, uh, it's it's beautiful. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad I, I went all the way through and didn't sort of get out when I was a little bored in the middle. Well, the highlight of this was when they when some of the characters make the move to L.A. and suddenly the book goes from black and white to color. I thought that was a nice mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. Uh, choice, which is also representative of the change in the industry. Right, exactly. And you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a it's it's a it's a metaphor, Connor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> That's uh, and it goes back to perhaps the most bleak scene in the entire series. The final two pages. Ugh. Yep. Good book though. So this is this is the last issue of this volume. Of this volume. Correct. Last issue. Confirmed. Saying it's the last. We won't be able to ask you these things for long. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually, I'm gonna I'm out of the loop. So yeah. But... I had a question actually. I I was a question I was gonna ask you. It was a real question. Is there a chance that a book? Could get printed an image that nobody from Image has read. What? <laughs> Is that like a sound of one hand thought, clapping kind of thing? Yeah. No, I mean, just like say that, like you've like been doing accident? a book for a while. Somebody turns in their book, and you just, you just, you just send it to print. No, so it's it's gonna pass through. It's gonna pass through at least one person. So there's. It's supposed to at, at least what when I was there, it, 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 it was supposed to go through at least. At least two people, but sometimes that doesn't happen. But so, yeah, <laughs> so that's the anti-Nazi manifesto. Yes, yes, yeah. Contingent. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Correct. So that yeah. is that is in place. There are checks and balances. Yes, there okay. are. That's there what are. I. Okay. Yep. So. I figured. I just wanted to be. I wanted to confirm that. I guess. Hypothetically. Yeah. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> now see, there's anyway. Yeah. Uh. So after after when we're done recording, I'll tell you. <laughs> But um, yeah, so since since uh, since this is only my second show back, this is my first opportunity to talk about the uh, Star Wars books that Marvel are putting out, and um, how I'm loving Kieran Gillen and on uh, Darth Vader. Are you reading all of them? Some of them? I'm reading the main book, the Jason Aaron book. I'm reading Vader, and that is it. And Darth Vader. Okay. Yeah, right. Yes, that's the only that's the only two I'm reading. I I, start, I picked up the first issue of Leia and I went ah it's, it's, yeah that's yeah no Same. and then um I'm un, uh, unsure if I will read Lando. Well 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 yeah but um yeah. but what I found fascinating about this Darth Vader book is um you know when we you know when Star Wars came out with Cassidy and Art and then Vader came out with LaRocca actually I was lucky enough that Karen Gillan sent me the the first issue before it came out I was like holy cow look at what LaRocca's doing like this oh, is look. great you know whatever. And then now, seven issues in, I'm reading it. I don't know if it's the schedule or whatever. Uh, he still draws a great Vader, but I had to take issue with his Stormtroopers. I'm looking. They just seemed a little... There's that one shot of the sto- of Vader and the Stormtroopers shooting. Mm-hmm. It's on the left side uh, of, of the page when Vader says it's pointless to resist. And I'm like, oh, those are a little scrawny Stormtroopers. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't I'm think it's... I, I gotta say, like, if there was... It turns out if there was ever a book for a guy... Yeah, it's, it's, it's this book for that guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's um, worked out pretty well. 
But but this issue I thought was interesting in that you know Vader returns to the Lars homestead on Tatooine, and you get a lot of Vader standing looking at the at the sunsets, and then him putting together the pieces of of you know that this is where Luke lived and where Obi Wan hit him, and so that's that's the kind of stuff that I eat up like a like a like a, you know like a dork. So I, I uh, like. I mean, I think when we talked about these books before, it is a there's a super fine line, yeah, about what's okay and what's not. And I really tend to this one I put sort of in the crazy fan fiction category, which helps me enjoy it more. Yeah, it's kind of like droid violence, torture porn, and <laughs> and just sort of weird. That one of the things is, and oddly enough, one of the things that I like about this book is that uh, I think sort of by necessity. Gillen has to embrace the prequels to a certain extent because that's where most of Darth Vader's story lives. Yep. And so, like the cover, that is the like the poster from from the from episode, episode one. one. Yeah. So he just kind of has to own it. And and uh, ironically, I actually seem to really like that. I'm like, all right, work with it. See what you can do. Yeah. Make him say we. Who cares? So it's kind of okay if I don't take it. If I don't. If I remember not to take it seriously at all. Yep. And I remember not to relate it to the things that I really like. It, it doesn't bother me. And I do like the idea of sort of answering the question if Vader's up to some shady shit all over the place because they're Sith. And of course they have to because there can be only two and one of them's got to take the other one over. And I like that he's got murder droids. Well, that yeah, he's that too. That, you know, that, that he's, got a, he's got a 3PO-esque and an R2 and an astromech droid that are just set on killing, which is just awesome. <laughs> it's a lot, it's, it must be a lot of fun to write, is the thing yes, that I yeah. thought about those characters. And you can tell it's a lot of fun to write purely by the name of the letter column, The Empire Writes Back. <laughs> which, is, which honestly is fantastic. Anyway, I'm digging that fader. I like yeah, it. I'm still reading it. I, I, don't, I can't stop. I don't know why. Connor? I've dropped all of them. Wow. I figured. The older I get, the less angst I want in my life. And if there's easy <laughs> ways to eliminate angst, I do so. And so I've eliminated yep. all the Star Wars books. He hasn't called me in months. Yeah. <laughs> I only talked to Josh through the show. Yeah. But uh, no. I just... You know what you did! <laughs> so, especially this book, which was fun, but the more and more prequels set in, the less I can adhere to my no more prequels in my life rule. So I had to drop this Right. Book. It's tough, yeah. That can only mean one thing. <laughs> Which is the, when is the point in the show where I can say how much I hate the new Comicsology app? That now, <laughs> sure, we'll get it. It's fine. I hate it. So, Josh, last week we talked about Superman and the problems we had with the tone and the characterization of, of Superman. The, this week we had Action Comics forty two, the second issue from this new arc, and uh, I thought once this, much like the last issue, this captured what I think is a much truer version of what Superman is. Uh, Greg Palk had no problem with characterization of Clark Kent here. Yeah, It's not necessarily the classic uh, sort of take on him, but it's very consistent and it's, and it's understandable, mm-hmm. I think. I, I really liked it. I liked this a ton, and then as I kept going through it uh, and I got to the end, I, I liked it even more. I thought that I thought the sort of, I don't know, this sort of, this sort of rawness of like, like, you know, Superman's out on the street fighting the cops for, for the good. and, and like the If tri- you're going to do that golden age... Superman, right? The the hero of the people. Then this is what you got to do. He he yeah. steps in to save the people from from a riot uh, and uh, save them from you know corrupt cops, and he uh, takes a beating for them. And I couldn't I couldn't see Superman last week doing that, like a really harsh beating because he, he doesn't have his full powers. And then he yeah. ends up jumping in and fighting the cops. And as jarring as that image is of Superman punching a cop, it's these are bad cops, and he's fighting for the people, the common people. So. I also thought it was a really, really interesting burn to get to that point where you like right away you've got the the 
the citizens of the street, you know, like the one woman's trying to get everybody to stay calm so that they're not all beaten and it doesn't start a riot. And there's the one guy and he's like, I'm not, I don't want to sit down. He's got the bat, the bat and, and like, that's that powder keg. Mm-hmm. And they hold him back a few times. And eventually like, you know, he can't do it. And, and the whole time is that in Superman's head, he's like, I am not strong enough for the, I'm not invulnerable anymore. I'm not, you know, so it's all like the thing about Superman you know, the, one of the rules about him, in my mind, is always that even without his powers, he's still Superman. Yep. That's what this is. Right. Even without his powers, he's still Superman. His powers don't make him Superman. Right. Which I, I think is, is the right call. Really enjoy this. Uh, you know, I, I have, it's, it's gotten better all the way through. This is one of those Superman series that we've sort of asked for and don't get very often. Uh, where, like, the, the writer and artist really click. And, and, you know, over time, it gets better and better as they sort of know what they're doing. Even with the wild shifts in, you know what's going on in dc at the time <laughs> i couldn't even tell you <laughs> i know i couldn't either but it, it's it's I still will a say thing that I uh, actually what's interesting about cooter's art is i thought it had a little bit of a chris burnham feel i, I caught that yeah which is interesting. definitely he started off as a quietly guy and he's sort of moving well, more into the chris burnham they're not they're not they're on a continuum they're not <laughs> right but it, it's, it um, is a continuum um mm-hmm. it's interesting but uh i will eventually want to get back to superman not Solar flaring at the beginning of a story arc and then spinning the whole arc without powers. Yeah, I think I think that's them using the using what they've been given to tell the story they want to tell. But um, it can't. Sure, go I'm on. not blaming the creative team. I'm just I'm just looking forward to when DC's okay with him having all his powers. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, I I mean I think it would have been really interesting if there was just some sort of organic way to depower him some. Well, I mean, this we, we we talked about it before. This should have been the way they started the New Fifty Two with him without, right. without all of his powers and slowly getting them. Yep. And then that'd been fine. But then they time jumped all over the place, and we didn't get to tell that story. As long as the suit doesn't come back. I know he can stand around in this t-shirt and jeans all he wants, <laughs> forever and ever. He can grow the beard back or not, I don't care. Whoa, we know we are pro beard. I know, but the beard. What, the, what it is is that the beard offset the awfulness of that uniform. <laughs> That's true. And so here, he doesn't need it as much. That's true. Like here, he might look like a dick. Like with his t-shirt and jeans and a beard, I might not like him. It's all about balance. He, See the, uh, the uh, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember. The Dan Hip uh, alternate cover. Yes. I like that. These alternate covers have been fantastic. They have been. There was a good Darwin one last month, I think. Yeah. Let's take a real quick break to tell you about ifanboy.com slash support. That is the handy page to find all of the ways you can help the show continue on every uh, week. The first way to do that is go to the Amazon link. That's where you can make your Amazon purchases as you would normally. You don't lose any money. Amazon gives a little bit of their money to us, and uh, everyone's happy, especially especially you. You got your item. You got, you've got participated in the consumerist culture. So I'm sure you feel, feel you good can- about that could lose some money, but we wouldn't be responsible for that, I think. is what uh, The other way to help us is go to the membership link on that page. I swear for 3 bucks a month to 30 bucks a year, you can become an iFanboy member, help the show directly out by, uh, by becoming a member, and we appreciate all the people who do that. They are the bread and butter, the backbone of this. I'm going to just throw a lot of metaphors out there. They are the people that keep the show going and have for many years. We thank all of them. And finally, on that page, you'll find a donation button. That's where you can donate any money you want. You don't have to become an iFanboy member and do it every month. You can just do it once. If you're a crazy billionaire and you feel like you need to give us some money because we've made your life better, that's also K2. We'll accept that. Uh, anything to help the show, go to iFanboy.com support. 
we, we are open to an eccentric benefactor. Yeah, we've we been saying it are. for years, and I yep. just feel like they're not getting the message. So we're going to have to keep hammering it. Unfortunately, <laughs> everyone else. We'll do the show from <laughs> your house. That's a little weird. Well, you know, if they want to make from- a million dollar donation, I'll do the show from their house. Okay, <laughs> not their private <laughs> island, but from a house. Oh, maybe. Right. These are all things that we're going to have to think about. I think we should probably table it as an on-air discussion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Secret Wars number four. Are you guys reading Secret Wars, or am I the only one who... who... Oh, it was pick of the week. Josh, I don't think he's been listening to the show. I have not. Um, how beautiful is Esau Rubik? It's beautiful. He's tall. It's so, it's oh, gorgeous. you mean the art. Yeah. yeah. He's a beautiful man, too. He's a big the, uh, this, this book continues to be the best thing Marvel's publishing right now. Yeah. Um it's it's crazy, it's big, it feels crazy and big, but the characterizations are still all there, so it all you feel connect, you feel connected to it in a way you don't I don't feel connected to anything else that Marvel's publishing right now. It really feels like the last ve- I mean as as crazy as it is, but it's the last vestige of that through line that we always look for across the line. Yes. You know, and it's funny cuz Hickman always has a serious tone to a lot of stuff he does, but like there is, you know, with Peter Quill making quips about Dr. Strange's keep. Was it Peter Quill or was it John Constantine? <laughs> I think it was Peter Quill. Because in that panel, I literally thought, what? Oh, John Constantine. Oh, wait a minute. This is a Marvel book. What? Yeah. what? But I got to admit, I'm, I'm getting tired. I'm getting a little tired of Cyclops getting uh, shit on. <laughs> well, he's going to have to get a different uniform for that to change. All the time. Oh, God. So annoying. But um, no, this is great. This is fantastic. I mean, this is the the Secret Wars. This book is nothing what I expected, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, it's really fun, and I yeah. like that every issue kind of is a different place and a different thing. Yeah. And um, so moving on from that, tying into Secret Wars, uh, we talked a little bit last week about the, the the Battle World books and kind of how silly they are and all that sort of stuff. But you tell me you're going to put out comics that take place in the Extinction Agenda period or the Days of Future Past period? I am there. <laughs> they could you know. These books have su- – like I, 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 I didn't realize until I was reading these books. But I was like, oh my god, this is – do you remember the crazy uh, X-Men Forever? Yes. It's it's the same concept. Basically, yeah. Chris it's Claremont fantastic. writing it. No, no. Um, Guggenheim's writing Extinction Agenda, and um, uh, Marjorie Bennett is writing Days of Future Past. Extinction Agenda. What what I just love is that they in the upper left corner of the cover they put the box with the heads. Nice. And the nice. issue number, but why? But they didn't put the Marvel logo or the price. Like one box is just empty. Which yeah. just seems dumb. What, what but was anyway. the time period of the original Extinction Agenda? Is it that was 90, 91, 92, like around there. That, that was like my that was the that was the big Return to crossover. No, that was the big crossover before the X Men X Force all relaunch and reboots and everything like that. Right. So Extinction Agenda, I love the time period. I'm not loving Carmine D. Jean Domenico's art on it, but I'm I'm dealing with it. But I just like the time period. And I like the characters. It's a lot of fun. He did um, that. Da- the Punisher series with Rucker, right? Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. Days of Future Past has got Mike Norton on pencils. Mm. No shit. Yeah, and he drew a, a pug in it. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh my goodness. It's a battle pug. You should. Yeah, uh, no, it's just a pug. Basically, it's the Days of Future Past timeline, and Kitty and Colossus have a daughter named Christina Pride, and Wolverine has a son named Cameron, and of course, Moody uh, and look at paintings for a long time. <laughs> no, he wears a blank ta- a black tank top though. It's very odd. A black hawk jersey. 
No, but um, uh, I might like I, I Extinction I Agenda. That. <laughs> 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 yes, I got it too. <laughs> Extinction, Agenda, Extinction Agenda is the time period that I like the most, but I'm enjoying Years of Future Past as a story way better. So those are, as the X Men fan, loving both of these books. So Ron, I was looking at the Secret Wars issue while you were talking, and I was looking at the page where they snap Cyclops's neck. Yeah, and uh, I was wondering. If the renumbering of Uncanny wasn't enough to drive you away, would would the killing of Cyclops? No, because he'll be back. Nothing in this mat. Nothing is this is going to stay the same. They didn't kill Cyclops, you know. No, like, I don't mean I don't, mean, I don't yeah. mean here. I just meant if in the future they did it. He's just well, he's just the bad guy now. No, he's like, not. Like no, but like like Iron Man was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. For a little while, and it'll it'll change. It'll come around, and they'll change. What is the worst mask in the history of comics? Yes, I agree. I agree. That is the worst mask. You know what I love about Isad Rubik is his surprised reaction eye bulge panel. Oh, there there always are highlights. Yeah, yeah. With the character's reaction and 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 with the eyes bulging, I I, that's hysterical. I love that's his signature. It turns out. Yeah, exactly. And he yeah. gets to do that a lot more with non-Asgardian characters, which is good. Yes, because the yeah, Asgardians yeah. are are harder to spook. <laughs> there's a really good there's a really good Doctor Strange one in the first half of this issue <laughs> of Secret Wars, where yeah, it's, they were all it's, 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 it's yeah, it's it's after the reveal of um uh, of Cyclops as Phoenix or whatever, and then and there's a and and when the Thor's hammer goes blue, and so he's gotta, huh? yeah. So I want to touch real quickly on uh, Ultimate End number three. Still, is this the last issue? I don't know. I hope. Uh, still not good, but the best of all of them. Ron, maybe <laughs> you can the... tell us what you think is going on. Because we don't know what's going on here. I'm not reading this. What are you crazy? Mean you're not reading this? I'm not reading this. This is the end of the Ooh. Ultimate Universe. Yep. This and is... I'll dance on its grave. <laughs> Did you read? I mean, but you've, you've been reading Ultimate Spider-Man all like this is their last. No, they, lo- they lost me. They lost me. It had to have been about whatever what happened when they ended the books and then everything scattered into a bunch of different miniseries. The, remember that? Kind of. Yeah. That's when they lost me. <sighs> so this is not the last issue, Josh. It says to be continued in issue four is teased at the end. Yeah, I'm sure that there's another one. I know it's not the last. I mean, if there's another one, I'll go back and read them. If if this means so much to you guys, I'll the go back and read them. The crazy thing about this is that Ultimate Punisher and 616 Punisher meet up with each other, and Ultimate Punisher, being the more hardcore one, kills the white-gloved one. See, I couldn't nice. tell which one was which. Yeah, all, real Punisher always has the white gloves as opposed to Ultimate okay. Punisher. And then, and then goes on a killing spree. It doesn't seem to make sense. Well, the Ultimate Punisher never wore white gloves. Um, hmm. And then uh, goes on a killing spree at the end, just, just murdering... Supervillains and superheroes alike. I, I, I Bagley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like everybody looks twenty six, and I can't abide it. And I don't know. It's not. It doesn't. I know that like they were a great match on Ultimate Spider Man, Bagley and Bendis, and I don't think they are anymore. I just like it doesn't. Oh, I agree. Agreed. It doesn't yeah. go. Uh, unfortunately. Um, which I think is part of the problem with this story. I, I think there's, I think the art is not even close to being the problem with this story. I think the art, the art is what it is. Okay, I yeah. like it, but I don't, I don't think it's a problem. The problem is that there's no internal logic to what's happening in this in this story compared to what's happening in the other books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing makes any sense. <laughs> they were like, so Bendis is off, just kind of doing his own thing. Should we say? <laughs> no, just, just put it, out. it goes back to your question about did they just send a book to the printer or not <laughs> I know that there are editors there at least <laughs> who should be reading them at least somebody's responsible so Josh oh, I think this next book is made only for you right 
Minimum wage, so many bad decisions, number three. No, it is not. I wanted to bring this up because Bob Fingerman, the, the creator of the book, had Mark Maron as a guest star in this because he had met him at one point, and they were friends for a period. And, and it turns out that Mark Maron's aesthetic uh, fits in very well with this book. And so when you get to the end, there's a little, there's a little essay bit about you know, how he met Maron and... It was it was oversharing, just like an episode of uh, WTF, and you sort of were friends, and then something happened, and we weren't, and and so forth, and it was it was really interesting. And I was gonna say, if you're out there and you're sort of a WTF fan, and you like listening to the first part, the first twenty minutes of the show, Marin's in this, and he he definitely the voice is definitely correct, and the cartooning's really really good on it. It looks like it's like nineties uh, or early two thousands era Marin, which is which is interesting. But it was good. Like it's it's good like it always is. But I, I thought that that Marin thing was I'm like, if this is your thing to boost sales, it's interesting. I can't imagine that's gonna work. But on the front of it it says, you know, guest star TV's Mark Marin. <laughs> Just like all right. Hey, whatever whatever it takes. I, I don't care. I will read this and you know, I will read this into the ground forever. It's the same book that I've always liked. Uh but I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah. a little bit to it. And, and it totally was like I was like, Oh yeah, that totally makes sense that they'd know each other. <laughs> that that completely uh, tracks. Apparently, Fingerman was on one of the very early episodes of WTF before anybody was listening to it. Hmm. Oh, wow. Fascinating. So, this is my ongoing campaign, Ron, to get Josh to read Garth Ennis' War Stories because he claims that Garth Ennis is his favorite writer yet refuses to read War Stories. That just makes no sense. It's yeah. not that I refuse to. It's that I haven't. <laughs> so, And I, I recognize the, uh, the duality of that. Uh, issue 10, I wanted to mention briefly, uh, I mean, we know the art is the problem. Is this the end of the Russian-German storyline? This is the first new arc. The the reason I bring it up for you is because this new arc, while I don't know the overall story yet, is about a Irish regiment in the British Army during World War II, and mostly about the one soldier in the regiment who is from Northern Ireland, who does not get (laughs) along with the rest of the uh, soldiers, and even more so doesn't get along with the other British soldiers. Republic of Ireland soldiers fought with the British Army? That's what it I says. I knew that. Huh. It says, uh, well, one guy says, I thought you were neutral. He goes, well, we, that's why we have our own regiment. <laughs> and then that the is, one, one guy really... here from Belfast. Hmm. So I think this is right up your alley. It, yeah, it is. It certainly is. So that's all I wanted to say. Okay. That's, I, I've, I've t- I'm taking it on board. I kind of like. I just want to walk into a store one day and see the whole book of them right there, and I'll go. Okay, now I'm gonna just get that's this. That's fine. That's kind of where I don't I'm know at. how Avatar's trade policy works. Mm-hmm. I don't either. So, those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. Go to ifanboy.com. You can find this page for this show. You can talk about these books, other books you read, anything you want to talk about in the comment section at ifanboy.com. Now let's do some listener mail, guys, because we both right. those books faster than I thought we would. <laughs> so I'm making the stretch gesture Corrine from Florida writes Last year I finally saved up enough money To buy my first piece of original art I spent two days searching near Comic Con For the perfect piece of art After thinking about it for many hours I decided to buy a double page spread by Rock Up Church Because I love the book and he was incredibly nice and gracious A few weeks later he was arrested and taken off the book Ever since then I have been at a loss As to what to do with these pages And the result have been sitting in my closet I want to hang them up, but it's hard for me to look at those pages and not think about what, what he did and how it goes against the strong female characters he helped bring to life in the pages of Rat Queens. Have you guys ever bought anything that later lost its appeal due to the creator's personal life, or do you think I'm overthinking this? Well, f- well first off, I think her name's Corinne. 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 I went, to, I went to high school with a girl named Corinne. Spelled it the same way. Okay. Um, it's, a t- it's a tough, that's a, that's a, it's a tough thing. Um, 
It's tough because you're definitely... playing the art. It's like yeah. It's different than I mean, having I'm... a book. It's the Roman Polanski question. It's the it's the Roman Polanski question. Absolutely. But I, I mean, my... in the, in the dis- act of displaying as opposed to just sure. And it's also like it's it's original art. So like it's 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 a thing. It's not like putting Chinatown up on your shelf and wondering if that's okay or a Woody Allen movie. It's yeah. It's the piece of art from the hands of the artist. And like she said, a couple of weeks later. He was arrested. There's charges. He was taken off the book. Uh, I, I we don't want to get into any of all that, but it, it, you know it's a thing that's happening, and you've got this piece of art that you really liked previously. And what do you do about it? And I think it's a fascinating question. I don't know if I know what the answer is. Well, I, I think my my gut says you enjoyed the art. You enjoy the book. It ends there. Yeah, and and because and because the reality of the fact is is that there's a lot of artistic expressions that we've all come to enjoy, be it they be comics or movies or music, and people are inherently flawed and they are not perfect, and there are a probably a very long list of bands that I've gone to see that I've enjoyed or movies that I've seen and enjoyed or things like that that I you know that I really really like, and that the people who created it probably have done some shitty things that I might not even know about or sometimes you do know about. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. If, for example, there was some piece of John Lennon personal memorabilia, I would still want that and I would want to display it. Okay. Even though I have no doubt that he is guilty of the same thing that this artist is being charged with. So in that sense, is it because he's really famous that I'm okay with it or because he's really, really talented? Yeah. Yes. I don't know. But when it gets smaller and closer to home, I, you know, I tend to think of co- comics as a smaller thing. And it, I don't know. I, it, it, here's the thing, though. If, if looking at that piece of art makes you think of the bad thing, then it's not doing the, it's not doing the thing you wanted to do anymore. Right. If every right. time you look at it, you think to yourself, oh, right, that guy. Yeah. Then no. The problem I mean, is, is that you, the value of that piece that you paid for went, fall, fell off the cliff. <laughs> that was a problem. Yeah, dude. yeah. Um, but but what was is the, is the purchase for value or for um, what you call it or for sentiment? You know what I mean? Like I, I don't get the sense that she bought it because she's making an investment no, no. in his. You know. But I'm saying it like it, like it, sometimes you go. It. You can right. You can yeah. say, well, I don't like this anymore. At least I can right. sell it, and you're even. It's just yeah. a loss. Well, no, I think you'll still be able to sell it. Honestly, I mean, if you if you if you know the original art space and all that sort of stuff, especially with a book like Rat Queens that is doing well or or that has a following, or whatever, you'll be able to sell that. that. That's not a problem. But I don't know. I mean, it leans. I mean, like, I mean, uh, you know, and uh, you know, Josh said we don't want to get into specific, you know, kind of thing. But the specific thing was, you know, I, I have some insight into it, and it's not a clean cut. It's a it's a it's a it's a shitty situation in, in his personal life. Yeah. You know, and so it's not like he, you know, did something horrific and now has been, you know, like as far as I know, there has been no continuation of the arrest. Like there's no, there's no trial, you know, like I think the charges were right. I don't know. I don't know if the charges are dropped or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. But I'm just saying like, it's at the end of the day, you know, like, I I don't know. I mean, like, I think that there's a lot of demonizing that goes on with, with people in, in that certain situations. And I don't know whether it's deserved or undeserved. You know what I mean? It just seems like from what I could tell from it, it was a very com- complicated and private situation. So that's why I fall back on, you love the book, you love the characters, you know, just, you know, you know, own it, you know, like that you bought the art. That's awesome. You know, if you still love the book, it doesn't change the, fa- doesn't change the characters that came to life for you and give you, have you, give you sentimental reason. Um, that said, Unless I've bought things, I've thought, I've thought things I've, I have bought things that later lost their appeal due to the, cra- due to the creators involved. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And you can, you can apply that at sort of any, any level. Yeah. And I, I definitely have to. 
Yeah. You know, I, I, have, yeah. I think Josh is right. If it goes back to how you feel when you look at it. If, it, if you yeah. look at it and see the book and the characters you love and you feel good, then you should put them up. If you look at it and you don't, you don't have good associations, then it's not going to ever do its job. And, right. And then sell it and buy something that you think will. I think that is probably the, that is part of the problem with the intimacy of the comics industry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but, Agreed. I mean, I have some Darwin Cook art on my wall, and he said horrible things about Ron. Yeah, I've got some Darwin Cook bar on my wall, and he said some horrible things about me. So <laughs> things about all of us. <laughs> Mostly Ron. <laughs> let's, all right, uh, let's move on to the next email. Uh, this is from Greg from New Jersey. He says, "I recently read Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martinez' Doctor Strange: The Oath, and was wondering if there's anything, any, if there is anything essential BKV I've been missing out on. Keep in keep in mind, I read all of the Private Eye, and I'm completely up to date on Saga, and I'm assuming that I will love We Stand on Guard, which comes out this week. Uh, P.S. Connor, can you give New Jersey a break? It's not completely our fault of the smell. So, New Jersey." Those are my favorite Saturday Night Live skits when they, they used to have the... No, Patterson? Yeah. That that Patterson sketch that he... This is the most... It was the most offensive thing they'd ever done. <laughs> and they, you can't even find it. But the one where he is walking around the studio yes. afterwards and he's out of focus in, in front of the camera. <laughs> it's also the funniest thing they've ever done. It's the funniest thing they've ever done. And Patterson w- went on the show. He yeah. seemed to be fine with it. Um, and Patterson's hilarious. He's just... <laughs> I don't know what that was all about or where that dude came from, but it was fascinating. Anyway. He was the lieutenant governor. He spoke at my sister's high school graduation. Yeah. I know, but it was just uh, this ap- moment in time where he's like, well, I'm governor now. Who? Apropos of nothing, for some reason the freaking Giuliani uh, sketch popped in my head the other day, and I don't know why, and for like a week I was just going, freaking Giuliani. <laughs> Jeez. Right. Anyway. Um, okay, so I thought this was a super timely question because, uh, A, we're old, and B, a new Vaughn book just came out. Meaning yes. that I thought, wow, maybe there's somebody who you know found him since Saga and doesn't even know some other kind of underpants <laughs> that are out there. But like, there's a ton of great Brian Vaughn things. I mean, obviously, like the big one I assume you know about is Why the Last Man. That's his, his opus. masterpiece. You know, his opus, yeah. or whatever. Um, the first thing I thought of was The Escapists. Yes, oh, uh, the under the, radar, under the radar one. Yeah, um, uh, by who drew that? Phil Bond did the first issue. And then the other guy, Steve Rolston, drew the rest of it. They're very similar styles. Um, that is similar to Airboy. Without yeah, the yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, pieces of work that he's done. It's one of my favorite miniseries of all time. I haven't read it in a long time. I'd really like to, but I just remember it just being excellent. Um, it's sort of a, it's a spinoff of the Adventures of Cavalier and Clay to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And if you can track, that was Dark Horse, wasn't it? Yes. Is that? The fact that you found the oath was interesting. There was a was well, a three issue recently because of the movie. Right. There was a three issue um, Wolverine Logan Wolverine Logan story that was great Logan. with Ed- Eduardo Riso. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, that's a really good little one you can read. I mean, Ex Machina was very good. I think Ex Machina is sort of comparable to to the We Stand Guard thing. Yeah. Uh, in that I don't know that it was great all the way through, but it was really good. It just wasn't why the last man. It's pretty good. It's it's super interesting. There's a lot of stuff there. He hasn't done all that much. Oh, uh, and then uh, there's the there's the 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 graphic novel. Um, oh, um, um, Pride of Baghdad. Pride of Baghdad. Yes, Pride of Baghdad. Absolutely. That'll do for you though. That'll that'll do. do. That's a lot of reading there. 
Yeah, it is. But I mean, that's all. That's essential stuff. These are the uh, yeah. Pride of Pride of Baghdad is is way more essential. I think essential than Escapists or Logan. But um, I, I don't I know would, about Escapists. I would I would put Escapists is always the first thing I think of is like the the best thing he's done outside of Why the Last Man. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. It's a thing. So, do we want to go down memory lane for a moment? Sure. Okay. Devin writes in, said, I was wondering if you could direct me to a really old podcast episode. It's the one where Ron, Josh, and Connor all talked about an egregiously bad X-Men one-shot. I want to say it was after a one-shot aftermath issue of a big event. Everyone reveled in how terrible it was, and by the end, everyone was laughing. And I want to say it was a Pick of the Week podcast. This is really vague, but it was honestly one of the funniest moments. And, and I think this is interesting. Uh, I'll just finish. Anyways, that's what they're looking for. She's getting into comics years later and wants to relive it. So, now that we have Ron back, I, yes. I, like, do you guys instantly know what this is? No. Like when you read that, you didn't. You didn't immediately. Well, well I think I you, the thing was, but I don't. The, the, this happened a couple of times. I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you you put a book in our head before I got to read it, so you stole that reaction uh, from me. Um, but I can think of a couple of things off the top of my head that that might be with them. So, see, because my first instinct was that it was it was actually Century Fallen Sun. I think that's the one that gives you the most bang for your buck because of the the fucking dog who just walks off <laughs> walks off the pit. Like, and there's the, the robot. Book so, the book was so bad, the dog left. <laughs> Even the dog in the book was like, "Fuck this, I'm out." <laughs> and also, uh, Connor was not on that show. No, it was Tom. But I think oh, Tom was on that show. There was. Uh... Wasn't there oh, like that's, a that's, so, fi- uh, like a mutant files book where it was Steve Rogers' view of all the X Men? And we spent the whole episode going through the, the files randomly. Wow. Remember that one, Ron? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. It was after Civil War, I, and it was I like... I kind of remember it. It was, was it? it was after Civil War during that horrible period where they didn't know what to do with Steve Rogers, and they, they, they made him... They made that when one was, when, issue. He, when, when he wasn't on MySpace? Yeah, when he wasn't on MySpace, and... Oh, God. Just think about how out of date that was when the MySpace was a thing that they I used. Think Captain, about that, Captain yeah. Steve. Anyway, so the Fallen Sun one, if that's the one you're looking for, that's episode 234. It's from May of 2010. It could be one of the X Men Forever episodes. True, because that was that was a run of 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 just insanity. The thing is, this I thought it was the Century Fallen Sun because um, there are X Men in that scene. Yes, Rogue. Rogue's definitely in that scene, and so if you don't know for sure, you could think it was an X Men book. And then the other thing is, most of the other X Men books, Ron would have been the only one who read them. Yes. So it would just be him telling us Not about necessarily. them. Necessarily, mostly some of them, but yeah. But it doesn't mean we weren't laughing hysterically because he would he would tell them very well. <laughs> it's not. It's not. He's here now. We don't have to make him. <laughs> I'm kind of glad you didn't listen to those shows, Ron, because there was sometimes there was there were Ron jokes. No, I, I listened. I oh, I heard some of those. I I, I really only stopped listening very recently. <laughs> you finally had enough. Yeah, I just finally, I finally, no, I finally hit my guys. limit. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's, it's possible it's, it's fallen on, but I think there really was an issue, and I remember it well. Just don't remember the name of it. Was where Steve Rogers wrote, and the, I remember hopefully that. Hopefully, somebody can put this in the comments of what it was. Where Steve Rogers wrote the files of the X Men, and it was his view on what they were. Remember, remember he called one of them like implied that she was slutty. Remember that? <laughs> we remember that. I totally yeah. remember that. Yeah, that could um, have been it. There's that, and then. I mean, the only the other one that comes to mind. This isn't what she's talking about, but uh, or he, Devin. Is Devin a, a man or? What? I, I want to say either. the spelling is a more is a female spelling with yeah, the Y. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I'm sorry, Devin. Dev. I'm gonna call you Dev. Could be Dev. Could be an Indian man. Um. 
I was thinking of uh, the the Red Arrow, the speed. Yeah, was it Red oh, Arrow? The cat, yeah, the yeah, yeah. crack. Right for justice, other- James Rob- James Robinson. It's a, did he do that? Yes. The cat yes, in the alley did. and the crack. He, he yep. gives and he takes away in the same episode. Yep. Wow. No, he gave. <laughs> don't, don't tell me that isn't a gift. <laughs> that, that's basically that's basically Airboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's not it's not all I, I go, oh yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah. Um No, he gave. I remember a lot of I don't remember any of the other good books from that era, but I remember that one. I don't even think I read it. No, oh, in fact it was better you didn't. Yeah, no, I know. I saw the panels. Well, if there's any longtime listeners out there who know the who have some favorite episodes where we talked about really terrible books, which we try not to do on the show as a rule, uh, feel free to drop in the comments and maybe. We... Yeah, yeah, that 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 centric right. one is really like we really do make an effort. We don't like to talk about books we don't like unless they were books that we previously really liked. And, and then for some a mixed opinion on when someone likes and someone doesn't like it. Yeah, 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 that's fine. So there, so all I can find is that there was a book called Civil War Files Number One. But it's Tony Stark's files on superheroes. Maybe it was Tony Stark and not Steve. I feel like it was Steve because it's funnier if it's Steve. Yeah, it is not available digitally. Shocking. Was that the Captain Steve period? No, he was still still Captain America. Then he died. He wasn't Captain Steve until he came back. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. Thank you, uh, Corinne. Ron, is that what? Corinne? Corinne? Corinne, This is the first And Devin. Uh, they email us at contact at fanboy.com, and that's how they got on the show. You can also leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. Tell us who you are, and tell us where you're from. Uh, keep it around 30 seconds, uh, if you do. And uh, Ron, plug your show. Oh, I don't need to plug my show. Oh, whatever. If you like if you like cell phones, listen to All About Android. Uh, <laughs> I liked that Sprint flip phone. I remember uh, that. It had the clear plastic buttons. On uh, twit.tv slash AAA, a uh, little other show I do all about Android phones uh, with my buddy Jason. And hey, if you like the comedy, uh, pretty much this, my sole purpose on that show is to make jokes. So, uh, uh, and and apparently I do. Somebody, somebody You're tweeted the funny at me last, one? Somebody, I am. I am the funny one on that show. Somebody tweeted at me last night, actually, and said, You're, you were very funny in the last episode. I said, Thank you. So. <laughs> That's, that story fell apart guy. again. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> that one guy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you're <laughs> several thousand people listen to one guy. Comics? Is that why you're doing the show? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, you can head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show, tell Ron how funny he was, talk about the books of the week, find all <laughs> your other podcasts that we do, our other podcasts. You can go back and find old podcasts, for example. And if you can't find an episode in there, check the Libsyn page. There's more there. You have to use Google. You can... I'm going to work on that. I'm going to f- figure There's that out. There's somewhere. Yeah, uh, you can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter, and you can uh, there you can see what the pick of the week is before we release the show. You can follow us individually at, uh, at Jay Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ron XO. And if you like the show, you can uh, leave a v- review on iTunes. That would be very helpful. That's how people find podcasts. And uh, it takes only a second of your time to leave us a little quick review and we really appreciate everybody does that. And uh, do it for any podcast you listen to, even if it's all about Android. And you feel like, you know, it's a good thing to be able to talk about cell phones all the time. <laughs> listen, there's a lot going on. <laughs> so, uh, any podcast you listen to. How often do you get a new phone? How often do I get a new phone? Yeah. Um, um, every, oh, geez. I think I'm on somewhere between 12 and 18 months. Okay, that's not... Terrible. Yeah, but I've been I've been on the Nexus Five, the the LG Google Nexus Five since it came out, which was 
oh, I want to, was, was it, oh, geez, when did it come out? I don't know, but it's been a while now, so I'm due for a new I, one. I know literally nothing about Android. Like, okay. if you put one in my hands, I'm like, I, I don't know how to work this. I don't know phones, I don't know anything. Okay. So I've, so the Nexus 5 came out in October, uh, October 31st, 2013. Wow, so I've been rocking the same phone for the past two years, so. Wow, Whoa. that's like Connor's iPad. Yeah. No, so, that's, no, that's much longer. It's a great phone. They stopped they stop selling it. It's a great little phone. I love it. So Everything's getting bigger. I don't want bigger. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Five, 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 five inches, five and a half inches. That's my perfect size. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it was just so perfect. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, he's going to say it. He didn't say my perfect phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, we're going to get letters. (laughs) I'm Josh. (laughs) You're so.